listener production. Wall Street ends lower as a tech rally fades. And Aussie shares expected to open lower on Wednesday, ahead of the Commonwealth Bank's Household Spending Insights Report. I'm Tom. And I'm Ryan. It's Wednesday, the 13th of September. Welcome to the Comsec Market Update. Ryan, a bit of a disappointing night for US markets last night. We had a, a nascent recovery for tech stocks a day earlier. That amounted to nothing. It did. And all eyes are on Apple. We did see its share price fall by 1.8%. It rolled out its latest iPhones and watches. But once again, it was one of those sell the event type scenarios, Tom. Indeed. And that contributed to a loss of a percent for the NASDAQ, the S&P 500 down two thirds of 1%. And the Dow was down by 18 points or around 0.1 of a percent. So yes, this is uh, a marketing event for Apple because within this conversation, they try to convince us that our lives are somewhat less valuable if we don't have uh, their very expensive devices, and it seemed to fall on deaf ears this time around. Apple launches are famous for their sell-the-news events where investors cash out after the anticipation phase ends, and it was a very lukewarm response, in fact. We saw the launch of the Apple iPhone 15. People sniffed at they this, did didn't they? sniff, and overlaying all this, of course, is Apple's issues with China at the moment, and interestingly, we did see China's Huawei technologies raise the second half shipment target for its Mate 60 series smartphone by 20%. The company expects new smartphone shipments for 2023 to reach at least 40 million units. That happened yesterday, Mm. just in time for the Apple launch. You know, you you speak to a very important point when it comes to the leadership of uh, the technology sector in the US, and Apple is certainly at the vanguard of that. When you have that stock spluttering, uh, then that tends to cast a pall over the remainder of the sector. And I think it is fundamental to the rolling over that we're seeing where uh, the NASDAQ is concerned and certainly a precursor to technology performance with the Philadelphia Semiconductor Index. It is also uh, struggling at the moment. It was down, for argument's sake, two-thirds of a percent overnight and you had uh, a lot of the chip makers under the pump there. What's going on here? So the uh, exuberance about AI is definitely fading, isn't it? Well, we had Oracle out overnight and its shares slid at 13%. It was the worst performer on the S&P 500. Its sales last quarter fell short of estimates and the company's revenue forecast also disappointed. So we did see other cloud competitors, the ones like Amazon and Alphabet, Microsoft, their shares are all down on the back of Oracle's results. So Again, let's just put that into context. So uh, the cloud revenue uh, over the quarter was up by 30%. So that measure came in at $4.6 billion. And the reason that they were disappointed was it was uh, fading from the more than 50% um, growth that they were seeing in the previous quarter. So you're still seeing extraordinary improvements where these measures are concerned. It really speaks to where the bar is in terms of expectations. And this is the issue, right, is that people were just hyperventilating about what AI was going to mean in terms of an immediate renaissance uh, for technology in particular. You are still seeing some thumping outcomes, but it's just not at that euphoric level that analysts had uh, penciled in. Well, certainly tech shares are priced for perfection at the moment, Mm. Tom, and really require some outstanding catalysts from here to with those valuation levels to get those shares even higher. But of course, 
One of the concerns at the moment is inflation and all prices and the potential for higher interest rates for longer are also undermining the tech sector at the moment. That is a problem. The uh, the price of oil is casting a report to tax on growth at a time when the global economy can least afford it. And the point to make here is that the supply curbs that have been applied by OPEC and allied producers have been successful. So you've got the oil price now above that range uh, that has been previously established. So loosely around 85 to 80 $8 a barrel would have been the high end of the range that we've seen for the last year. It seems to be consolidating closer to $89 a barrel, uh, up 1.6% uh, thereabouts overnight. That's uncomfortable, isn't it, Ryan? It is. So we Even saw- with your very efficient European car, you know, you'd still be wincing a little bit at the Bowser, wouldn't you? It's a little bit painful with the 98 at the moment, Tom, but <laughs> certainly all prices jumped almost 2% overnight to 10-month highs. And that's obviously on the tighter supply outlook, as you mentioned. We've seen Saudi Arabia and Russia last week extend voluntary supply cuts of around 1.3 million barrels per day to year-end combined. But also, we heard from OPEC last night, and it stuck to its forecast for robust growth in global oil demand in 2023 and 2024, citing signs that major economies are stronger than expected, despite China's malaise at the moment. OPEC's monthly report forecasts world oil demand will rise by 2.25 million barrels per day in 2024. So that really lit the oil market up last night. And that's why we saw those prices back at November levels from last year. Well, it's fascinating, isn't it? They enact uh, supply curves and then they upgrade their forecasts. Uh, who would have thought that that would have the They would have thought they're a cartel, but we did see shares of Chevron and Exxon lift by between 1.9% and 3% on the US share market last night. They were strong performers on the back of that. But they were indeed. In fact, it's really the theme that united uh, both US and European markets last night was the outperformance that we saw for the uh, energy sector. And of course, the UK FTSE 100 index is commodity heavy and it was an outperformer last night. Its, share, its prices were up 0.4% in London trade. Compared to the French market, which was down by a third of a percent, and the German market, which was down by about a half of 1%. So mining stocks did quite well in European trade. Financials also flourished to the extent that they were capable of in uh, the modest gains that we saw broadly. But uh, property and technology names were, again, the underperformers where the European market was concerned. So, Ryan, that brings us to the local session today. To be frank, free of highlights in economic terms, we're trying to make a purse out of a sow's ear here, to be frank. Um, it's really the US inflation numbers later on tonight, local time, that are going to be a big uh, marquee event. Absolutely. We're all waiting with bated breath for these inflation numbers out of the United States. So the numbers that people need to get their head around or to focus on tonight in the US are a headline number of 0.6%, and that will reflect higher energy prices. So high gasoline prices in particular are up about 5.8% in August, and food prices are up 0.3%. And that would take the year-on-year number or annualized number to 3.6%, up from 3.2% in July. The core number, which is what the US Federal Reserve focuses on, Tom, is expected to lift again by 0.2%, and the annualized number could fall from 4.7% to 4.3%. So what is likely to drive the core number? Well, what we're expecting to see is a pullback in auto prices, so used car prices down by 3%, 
and that reflects declines in used car auction prices. Also, we expect a boost in transportation services categories, in particular airline prices or airfares up 6%, car insurance up 1.6%, shelter inflation up about 0.4%. So the services side of the equation remains very important here at the moment. And of course, if we see an upside surprise, so that would be characterized on the headline front as anything above 0.6%, so say 0.7%, we could see a move certainly in those US Treasury yields in particular. So for core inflation, an upside surprise would come from recreational services, hotels and accommodation. We had a number of Beyonce and Taylor Swift concerts, which happened in August around the world, particularly in the US. There was about 20 shows. And we have seen positive CPI surprises in the UK and Sweden being attributed to Beyonce's concerts, Tom. Yes, that's true. Well, look, it's easy to feel slightly concussed with all of the numbers that uh, are on offer when it comes to unpicking inflation. So uh, for civilians who just want one number, 4.3%. That is the underlying rate that the markets are looking for in annualized terms. Uh, anything north of that number is going to create some problems as far as interest rates are concerned. Uh, for what we saw last night, we just saw uh, pretty well-behaved uh, bond yields, actually. If anything, we saw uh, longer-dated bonds down slightly in yield terms to about four and a quarter percent, Ryan, for a 10-year Treasury note. That was down by about three basis points, 426. Yes, and we did see a 35 billion 10-year Treasury auction overnight with a yield of 4.289%. That's the highest yield since 2007, Tom. We got some economic data out of the US overnight as well. We got the latest update on small business sentiment, and that's from the National Federation of Independent Business. And the index there decreased by 0.6 points to 91.3 points last month. And what we did see there were concerns around weaker sales and firms increase their prices. So that's really important from an inflationary and consumer perspective. And we saw in the report, a net 27% of business owners owners raised selling prices in August, up from 25% in July. It's the first increase in nine months. So that's not a particularly good sign for consumers and the inflationary pulse. Well, it's not because to break that down, what that means is that inflationary expectations uh, remain elevated because of that ability for prices to be passed on and the likelihood of those prices being reversed is diminished. And that is problematic in terms of inflation becoming entrenched and then interest rates uh, do the same at higher levels. So. I suppose, look, we really need to get these CPI numbers out of the way t- tomorrow. I-, I would put it to you that what we saw this session is largely noise. Uh, the conversation tomorrow morning will be uh, a little more enlightened in terms of what we can predict from the Fed next month and the next couple of months. Uh, if we see these uh, interest rate markets you know, bump up against their recent ceiling in terms of bond yields, Uh, Again, you're going to see a technology sector that will be well and truly hamstrung on the one hand with higher interest rates and then what we're seeing in terms of those medium term trends for chip makers and and the like that are now sort of deflating after the extraordinary gains of this year. Well, yes. And with the two year above 5%, the treasury yield, that's not ideal for tech shares. And Of course, the biggest concern at the moment is while we are seeing some evidence of disinflation on the core front, services inflation remains 
fairly strong on the back of rents in particular, but also at the same time, wages growth still remains firm in the United States. And what we did see in the United Kingdom last night was something that was even more concerning. We saw, it's good for workers, of course, we saw average weekly earnings growth in the three months of July in the United Kingdom at 8.5% in annual terms. So that's up from 8.4% in July, but that puts pressure on the Bank of England next week to lift interest rates by another 25 basis points to 5.5%. It also brings into question whether the US Federal Reserve is going to see inflation moderate, but be stuck between a 3 and 4% level uh, for an extended period. And if that does materialise, the Fed would face a particularly delicate policy choice by year-end, either tolerate above-target inflation or increase the risk of an economic recession and financial instability by pursuing current inflation targets too zealously. All right, Ryan, well, let's just quickly wrap it up um, in terms of the commodity space. As uh, we mentioned before, uh, oil prices sticky uh, at that level, just sub $90 a barrel. Very sticky at that level. We saw gold futures down by 0.6% to 1935.10 US dollars an ounce. And iron ore futures continue to lift, Tom, up 1.8% to 120.33 US dollars a tonne. Those better than expected loan data numbers out of China and a stronger Chinese yuan bolstered investor sentiment. What we're also seeing, and we haven't spoken about this much as well, is coking coal prices or coke prices up higher. So they're at the highest level in six months. So, of course, those energy producers, those coal producers in Australia could benefit from those rising prices of seaborne coking coal at the moment. So, look out for that. And just quickly, we have seen copper prices. They were down 0.5% last night. And what we are seeing is a build in inventories on the London Metal Exchange. So, copper prices have failed to hold above the 8,400 US dollar level. And those inventories now in London are at their loftiest level since October 2022. So that represents perhaps a slowing in Chinese demand, and that's something to continue to focus on. And the Aussie dollar fell from 64.38 US cents to 64.08 US cents and is currently trading at 64.2 US cents amid strength in the greenback. Yes, well, we can talk about that Chinese growth picture uh, tomorrow because there are some recent figures that have pointed to some disappointment following their recent stimulus measures, but we're out of time, as is often the case Thank you very much for your company this morning. We wish you all the best for the day and look forward to talking to you tomorrow morning. This podcast is prepared, approved and distributed in Australia by Commonwealth Securities Limited, ABN 60067254399, AFSL 238814. The information does not take into consideration your objectives, financial situation or needs. Consider the appropriateness of the information before acting and if necessary, seek appropriate professional advice. Listener.